Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. You might not know that it exists, but we now have a podcast industry in Canada. This was not true even like two or three years ago. There was certainly a podcasting scene here in Canada, a Canadian podcasting community. We even had a fantastic little Canadian podcasting company. <clears throat> but an industry? No. That has all changed. Major Canadian media companies, corporations that pull in billions in revenue every year, are now in the podcast game. Rogers, Chorus, the multinational mass media company Entertainment One, they have all launched podcast networks. So yes, Canada finally has its own podcast industry. And yet, if you look at the top 30 podcast episodes in Canada on any given day, as ranked by Apple, you will rarely, I don't know, maybe never find shows from those networks among them. Our stuff makes that list. Some CBC stuff makes that list too. But those new Canadian podcast networks, they're not there yet. So what podcasts are Canadians listening to? The Daily, This American Life, a lot of true crime stuff, bit of sex, bit of sports, a lot of Joe Rogan. Overall, it is a very familiar pattern. Most Canadians who listen to podcasts mostly listen to mostly American stuff. 
So is that what it's going to be? Is podcasting in Canada going to be just like TV in Canada or film or books in Canada, where our audience gravitates to polished American product, mostly oblivious to homegrown stuff? Will we eventually need government subsidies to prop up CanCon podcasts to create jobs and uh, assert our cultural sovereignty through podcasting, you know, even if nobody's listening? I will state my bias right off the top. I really fucking hope not. I love this medium in part because it is so relatively cheap to make podcasts. It is not like screen entertainment where the creator with the biggest budget usually wins. Now, with podcasting, we can make things here and easily connect with audiences here and all over the world. We can tell our stories and get the world to pay attention. Almost as many Americans have downloaded our Thunder Bay series as Canadians. In podcasting, Canadian creators may have found a medium, maybe even an industry, in which we can finally hold our own domestically and globally. So my bias is that I want these corporate newcomers, these soulless big business interlopers who are trespassing in my beloved podcast playground, I want them to succeed. I want podcasts as a business in Canada to work. You might doubt me on that. You might scoff. But look, this thing of ours, podcasting, is still so tiny and so new we're not really at that point of like competition, like McDonald's versus Burger King or even McDonald's versus the local mom pop burger shop. No, no, we're at the stage of like, how can we get people to try hamburgers? Podcasts have been chipping away incrementally at FM and AM radio listenership for years. And we've still only won over like 5% of the audience, despite the fact that the best podcasts out there kick the shit out of the best radio. So yes, I for one welcome and wish good luck upon our corporate podcasting newcomers. But are their shows any good? Can these businesses succeed? Will Canadians be listening to their shows a year from now? Well, today we're going to take a look at their stuff and discuss. And yes, if it is not obvious already, I have a clear conflict of interest here. You might believe me that I want these companies to succeed, which is its own form of bias in this discussion. Or you might think that I'm full of shit and I would rather enjoy watching them fail. You might think that I kind of want both of those things at the same time. And you might be right. But I'm going to do my best to give each network and each show that we discuss today a fair shake. And to help me with that, I am joined by two guests who have no such conflicts of interest. Joining me in studio... The exhaustive and exhausting media watcher, Mark Weisblatt, who publishes the 1236 newsletter for St. Joseph Media here in Toronto. You can subscribe to that at 1236.ca. And joining us from Gainesville, Florida, Ben Cannon, who writes about podcasts for the AV Club and for his own dedicated podcast criticism website, The Constant Listener. These guys listen to thousands of podcasts, and today they are going to take a critical look with me at what Canada has to offer, and where our nascent little baby podcast industry might be going. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Isaiah King, Rodney Anderson, Sarah Monday, Cameron McLean, Dylan Thiessen, Megan Reed, Caitlin Nobes, Christopher Maddian, and Sean Wilson. My name is Sean Wilson. I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I work for the Vancouver International Film Festival. I listen to Candleland because not only does it make me feel like I'm keeping up with what's happening across the nation, but also because it helps me think critically of the news sources that I am consuming. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. 
And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Mark Weisblatt, hello. Hey, Jesse. Constant listener Ben Cannon joins me from Florida. Hello, Ben. How's it going, Jesse? Uh, It's going really well. I think we should start by just going through the different networks and talking about what they are doing, what they're called, and what they're making. Does that sound good? Are you going to put yourself on the list? You know, I hate to talk about myself. If you want us to talk about Canada, then we can talk about Canada. I could talk about you for hours. (laughs) Well, I'll give you a few minutes. Let's start with Rogers. Rogers has a podcast network, but it's not called Rogers. It's called Frequency. Uh, Frequency was launched in June of 2018. Their biggest flagship show in their network is a daily podcast called The Big Story. Uh, There's a team of three people who put that show together. The host is Jordan Heath Rawlings, who is actually the head of the podcasting division at Rogers. And I think that it would be fair to describe The Big Story as a Canadian current affairs show that leverages uh, Rogers Publishing. Uh, McLean's and the, the various types of journalism that Rogers has access to turns it into podcast content. We'll play a little bit about what the big story sounds like now. You may have uh, heard a few things about blackface lately. And by a few things, I mean a ceaseless parade of prominent politicians and celebrities and fashion brands facing criticism. That's the big story. In total, the Frequency Network has six podcasts, not a huge offer. There are six shows that they're focusing on. There is a show by former Canada Land Commons host Andre Demis, uh, co-hosted by Andre, called Black Tea. Cardinal is an interesting character because he was celebrating being a Torontonian and a Canadian rapper yep. before it became cool, sexy, or saleable. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he keeps it doing trendy. it. Now it's just cliche. It's just like, okay, the six... Sixes ins, you know, yeah. even like Norm Kelly, who I despise. No, so no. I'm Listen, glad he's any, opposite. any opportunity to <laughs> on Norm Kelly, I will yeah. always appreciate that in this studio. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah good reasons, exactly. Norm Kelly. And a handful of other shows, a show about moms. How many times have you said, if 
only I had listened to my mom. Mark, Ben, have you had a chance to check out the Frequency Network? You mentioned the fact that they don't call the Rogers Podcast Network Rogers. Now, when have you ever heard of Rogers not naming something Rogers? I mean, they called the Skydome the Rogers Center. What do you make of that? I do think that as they're trying to figure out what's going on out there, uh, that they, they might have calculated that it would have been better not to put the Rogers brand on podcasts, just like how all these big record companies got into making fake indie labels in the 90s to make it look like the people signed to them weren't selling out. Uh, maybe there's something like that going on there. They debuted with a bunch of shows at once. I guess it was their way of defining that they are now in this podcasting business. Mm-hmm. And and this will come up a, a few times, I think, in reviewing what these bigger companies are doing. Um, I wonder how much of it is just trying to ride the latest internet fad. It goes all the way back to the creation of websites. And when companies figured you had to get a website, right? We had, we had to get in there with something, some, some sort of offering. Then it moved into uh, e-commerce and uh, social media. At one point, everybody needed a, a blog. Weren't you a blogger for Rogers, Jesse Brown? I was a point? blogger for, and, for and McLean's how, Magazine, how many a Rogers hits, publication. Like how much attention did you get for your blog at Rogers Media, right? Not nearly enough. but They but, were but, probably looking at the stats and thinking that by their metrics, Trick, yeah, this dude is a dud. I mean, no, nobody's reading the great provocateur Jesse Brown writing on a blog on McLean's.ca. I think we're straying from our purpose here. First okay, of all, but what if I said that this is what's going on too with podcasts? And we might see deja vu all over again. Yeah, as far as these companies launching these podcasts, waiting for a stampede of listeners to show up. And then when they never do, they'll just pull the plug on the whole thing. We've, we've seen history repeat over and over again. Mark, I think that is a central question to what we're investigating today, which is, uh, is this another digital ghetto where companies that are not actually serious about the medium are getting on the bandwagon because that's where the digital lingo is at? But I don't think we can conclude that without giving a fair shake. There are people making these shows all the time, trying to put their best content out there. Looking at their offerings, I think it's an interesting play because they haven't really picked pinned their hopes on star power, essentially. I mean, that's something that we see in the American podcast landscape right now. A lot of shows are either going to be true crime related or going to have a celebrity host. I mean, Conan O'Brien currently tearing up the U.S. podcast charts with uh, with his uh, celebrity-focused program. From this standpoint, it's encouraging because I like to see that the podcast medium is used for giving uh, niche content uh, or voices a place to thrive. And so I think that that's something that I'm seeing with what Frequency is doing. I like, uh, Ben, what you're pointing out, I like about Frequency that they're asking questions like, what are underserved audiences? So you've got Andre and Milena Williams doing Black Tea and talking about issues uh, around race, a podcast dedicated to this. Globe and Mail had a good podcast called Color Code that explored this stuff. I think it did very well for them. And then they just sort of abandoned the project and podcasting with uh, the exception, I think, of like a money-focused show. They're putting out, but they don't seem to be seriously in the space. So yeah, Frequency, they got a show on weed, they got a current affairs show. In the broader context of Rogers as a massive company, to have a team 
of three people. My guess is, Mark, to your point, yes, Rogers was talked into having a podcast network because podcasts are hot, hot, hot. They're probably not giving it that much resource or attention, but there are people working within that. We used to call it the digital ghetto. You know what? When you're in the digital ghetto, sometimes people are not paying attention and you can do great things. You okay, know? but keep in mind, this happened at the same time that the company announced it was getting out of print magazines, right? Yeah. Uh, they're trying to get rid of McLean. I know. That's a threat to the big story, wouldn't you think? Well, look, I mean, the idea of having journalists, people who primarily work in text, come in to talk about their story, that's a tried and true formula for radio, right? I mean, how much of radio consists of people who work in other mediums? mostly uh, newspapers, magazines, you know, coming on to talk about the, the thing that they were working on. Uh, but when it comes to the bigger picture of a company like Rogers and for the benefit of our constant listener in the USA, I mean, think about a, think about a Comcast or a Verizon or a Disney trying to leverage all its platforms to launch something. Maybe there's something to the idea that with, with all of the properties that Rogers has, has, right, especially when it comes to television and radio, if you're using those platforms to tell people to listen to a podcast, you might actually convert people to a medium that they never got around to checking out before. Absolutely, you can. If you have a network in a different medium, you can you can try to use that, leverage that towards building a, not only a podcast listenership, but you could also kind of mine it for content. And podcasts are relatively cheap to produce uh, compared to other media, which is a nice segue to our next network which is a project of Chorus Entertainment. Chorus is a uh, major media company in television, radio, and elsewhere. Uh, they own dozens of radio stations across the country. There are uh, tons of specialty channels. And they have a podcast network. And like Rogers, they're not calling it the Chorus Podcast Network. They're calling it Curious Cast. Uh, I think that their flagship... I don't know if it's their flagship show. It's certainly their most popular show. Is an old show. I used to listen to this on... Uh, Mark, you'll know this. What was the uh, alternative radio station here in... Oh, 102.1 The Edge. Edge. Alan Cross has been doing this documentary-style ongoing history of new music for, I don't know, decades now. And it it was sort of a a, a pre-podcast podcast. Here's a little bit of a taste of what that show sounds like. Punk, glam punk, queer core, riot girl, ska punk. Punk had always been there, waiting to be discovered by a whole new generation. And finally, in the 90s, the time was right. Okay, so when you get away from the ongoing history of new music and a similar show, Legends of Classic Rock, what you have are like 54 other podcasts on the Curious Cast Network, the vast majority of which are just repackaged, repurposed talk radio shows. This is the Linda Steele Show On Demand. Let's talk about this issue now. What a great panel I've got for you. Sven Biggs is on the line. Now, Boss Offer on the official radio station of your Edmonton Oilers, 630 Shed, 97. Hello there. Good morning. Welcome back, Joe. We missed you last week. It's always nice to be back. One exception to that is a show called This Is Why, which is another show I think that attempts to take the news content from uh, Global News and uh, turn it into a weekly uh, current affairs podcast show. My name's Anthony Farnell. I am the chief meteorologist at uh, Global News based out of Toronto. So let's talk about the polar vortex. So this is like the, the internet had pivoting to video and this is TV news pivoting to podcasts. Uh-huh. Ben, 
Uh, anything bubble up from Curious Cast to your attention? Yeah. Um, of course, ongoing history of new music is something that has come my way. As well, the program that they have, Nighttime, uh, more true crimes and mysteries. I mean, those are high-charting shows. Um, recently, when I was checking out the iTunes charts for Canada, I noticed that that show is, you know, in the top 25 shows. Okay. This sort of repackaging of television content. It's something that worries me, you know, as these larger conglomerate companies are entering into the podcast space, the medium is being used for the extension of, of existing brands. Um, I don't know. I come from uh, podcasting as a much more grassroots DIY thing. It's like the major radio stations discovering punk rock all of a sudden and everybody wanting in or rap, you know, all of a sudden you have uh, these disingenuous entrees into the field. And and it's something that Curious Cast being chorus, you know, uh, aren't they aligned with Oprah Winfrey Network yeah. and Oprah Winfrey's doing the same thing with with her Super Soul Sundays that was repackaged as the Super Soul Conversations and that sat at number one in the iTunes charts for for months on end and for this burgeoning and very exciting medium I find that these brand extensions are just anathema to what good podcasting is. The thing is that in the U.S., when podcasting becomes so hot that Oprah Winfrey gets involved and Conan O'Brien gets involved, they have the star power to flood the zone and push a lot of those indie shows out of the spotlight. Whereas the way it seems to be manifesting here in Canada is that the big brands, uh, it's sort of like if, if, if a big conglomerate podcasted in a forest, would anyone hear it? Speaking of the DIY thing, Entertainment One had this podcast network called Antica. Stuart Cox, a former uh, CBC producer, executive kind of guy, has a company called Antica. And I think he approached the massive Entertainment One company and said, you guys need a podcast network. And uh, they originally called it Antica. It was an extension of his company. And now they've just rebranded it as the Entertainment One podcast network. Now, I think it's interesting. We can't have this conversation, guys, if we don't talk about business. The The fact that podcasting became a business from those DIY roots in the first place is absolutely a function of the podcast advertisement as an effective advertising tool. The fact that we're one of the, the only media in existence where people will sit through a full 60 seconds of advertising, and that's what's launched a thousand podcasts. And, and how is that going for you? Because at the same time, you are offering to your supporters who pay up ad-free podcasts. Yes. So I see a paradox here. What's the paradox? That you're trying to sell ads at the same time that you're advertising, that people send you money directly, cut out the middleman, and they will never hear you do a commercial. You know what? It was with great consternation that we made that move. It was something that a lot of people requested. Uh, there are a lot of listeners who say that listening to the ads is part of the experience and they're okay with it. And then they won't send you money every month yeah. if they like the ads. It's an interesting aspect of the podcast okay, but listen, industry and the business. You're so, doing sure. a media criticism podcast. Yeah. Advertising is part of the media experience. I think yeah. if you're bringing like a new kind of creativity to commercials, that people who listen to a media podcast would actually want to hear the advertising as part of the show, right? You're doing a better job of keeping people tuned to the commercial 
uh, than a lot of other mediums out there. In fact, it might be the greatest medium of all when it comes to advertisers. My goodness. Well, Mark, you've given this a lot of thought. And uh, and you seem very concerned about it, and I, I take that all at face value. Well, why did you invite me here? <laughs> like, what for, would be the point for just these thoughts? No, let me let me set your mind at rest. What I can tell you is it's worked out really, really well. We haven't had uh, any dip at all in the number of people who are downloading the ad version, and the people who don't want ads are paying us directly and and don't get ads. So- well, I think that it's one of the most interesting aspects of podcasting. The advertising has become so deeply ingrained within the culture of the show. I mean, everyone who listens to a podcast uh, has had a thought about um, changing their mattress just because of of Andy, of Lisa, of Casper. We 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 all know the names of these companies, so which kind of tells yes. you that the ads work. But you know, absolutely. Um, but so I do find that one of the most inter- interesting facets of it is the way that the podcaster is able to make the ad a part of their show, um, something that you come back for. I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is um, the American history podcast, uh, The Dollop. It's just a recounting of all of the most batshit stories from American Mm -hmm. history, and they've done some Canadian history. One of their sponsors is Talkspace, the online therapy company. The host of that show, Dave Anthony, will start each episode making a Talkspace ad where he's essentially selling Talkspace online therapy to Donald Trump. Let's say you're a guy and um, you gave a big speech about uh, doing something that's not allowed and and you you kind of sang it uh, when you announced it and everyone thought that you might be crazy. Well, if that's the kind of guy you are and you're going to illegally build a wall, uh, I suggest Talkspace. Every right. episode is a new recounting of the week's events. Yeah, no, that, that, that's brilliant. It's, he's serialized the ads themselves, and then, you, and then you want to know what he's done with the ad this week. Uh, precisely, yeah, precisely. I'll confess and, here, I like doing the ads. I kind of enjoy it. I think, I think it's interesting, and I appreciate that that's the only reason why this is actually a job and not a hobby. I think what's interesting in the context of what we're talking about is that none of the companies that we've talked about so far, none of these podcasts from Curious or from Rogers, as far as I can divine, trying to read the tea leaves of their business model, I don't think any of them are pulling in significant ad money, uh, not enough to cover their costs. And, th- and that's true. We're talking about Entertainment One. What they've done is, and this is to your point, Ben, about DIY, uh, Entertainment One, this massive multinational entertainment company, has essentially licensed a huge number of existing podcasts. I think they've winnowed down that number, but uh, there, there's there's one really strong one uh, called Sick Boy, which I think does what podcasts do well and, and finds a niche of, uh, this is a show, have really candid discussions amongst people who have diseases, and that show seems to have a really strong following. What was the thing that you put on your application? Yeah, so it's called bladder extrophy. Basically, it means I was born with my bladder outside of my body and mm. inside out is Whoa. what extrophy what the fuck? Yeah, man, I'm a unicorn. But then there's just dozens of other shows, and they're not making an advertising play. They're very upfront about this. The reason why Entertainment One is interested in podcasts 
and why this executive Stuart Cox, who comes from the TV world, is interested in what he sold E1 on, is that this is an IP channel. This is a cheap way to generate intellectual property that Entertainment One can then generate into TV shows and films and books and other things. And apparently they've got a couple of, of their podcasts that they're turning into something or other. It's hard to tell which because none of these shows have really, as far as I can tell, uh, gathered meaningful listenerships outside of Sick Boy. But ever since Gimlet uh, was able to sell Homecoming and, and that became a TV show, there is a run on there's like a speculative bubble on podcasts as a source of, of intellectual property. So we're seeing uh, podcasting kind of become a bubble where it's not necessarily not for Rogers, not for Chorus, not for Entertainment One. They're not doing what we're doing here, which is saying, does this show earn enough ad dollars to pay for, you know, the extra producer that it could use uh, and, and, and maybe even cut a little bit of a profit? They're doing it for other reasons. Well, how much does this sound like a conversation about blogs in 2005 or talking about YouTubers (laughs) in 2012, right? We've got like this big bucket of stuff Mm -hmm. that happens to be transmitted through the same technology, but shows and companies that don't really have very much to do with one another, right? Like what does Chorus taking some AM talk radio show and putting it on a podcast have to do with with Entertainment One mining podcasters for intellectual property. This is yeah. definitely like two different ways of looking at something that will never intersect. Well, look, I'm trying to push back against the cynicism of yours because I think that there are people making great efforts. It's I mean, not cynicism at all. I'm the one who's, I have now broken yeah. two different podcast apps by subscribing to too many shows. Did so, you even know that such a thing was possible? Ben, I think Mark you know, might be giving you a run for your money as the constant listener. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I've uh, I, I'm right there with you. I'm I'm currently subscribed to uh, 1,250 um, or somewhere in the neighborhood thereof. 1,250 and podcasts. Yes, I I'm currently using Pocket Casts, and I'm finding in the last two years I've listened to 88 days and 12 hours worth of. Podcasts. My God, do, do you listen on on normal speed? Yeah. Or are you one of these weird people who listens to it at double speed? Okay. Normal speed. Weird Normal people speed. who listen to it on double. People speed. who have no respect. I for the listen to everything of, on double. I bet speed. you do. Let me ask Ben. How do you find the time when oh. there's so much to listen to? But you you miss the nuance. You know you miss ah, the pause. Nuance is overrated. <laughs> a, a philistine as a here. critic you know I... you could eat at uh, four times the amount of gourmet food if you just sort of compress it all into a patty and uh, or, yeah, or, or exactly. blend it up into a slurry and then okay this is a golden age and yet we are kind of looking at these entrants askance maybe not uh, cynically mark but wondering if they're in it for real with respect to the people who are trying really hard to make great stuff i question whether these are solid business ventures though i will say and maybe either of you may may have listened to this one ask mr wonderful with kevin o'leary on the entertainment one podcast network alex i've got a question that came through the email transom here i want to read it to you i'm a 29 year old male i have yet to lose my virginity you know, it's humorous, but it's also kind of a concern, right? So let me take a stab at it first. The good news is in most cities, there are sex therapists. They're not quite hookers. They're people that deal with your problem. So I'd hire a professional, pay them, and just go to town on it. And by the way, it's fun, too. You're paying for something you need to experience. What do you think, Alex? 
I think that's uh, not, not what I expected you to say. Very, very interesting advice. Interesting take. Here we have, sitting in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, is somebody who can say that he has listened to over a thousand different podcasts. Yes. Who has never bothered to listen to the one by Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary. How about you, Ben? Surely uh, our, our, our most proud export, Kevin O'Leary, of uh, Shark Tank uh, and of a failed bid <laughs> to lead the Conservative Party of Canada has come to your attention. Do you listen to his podcast, Ask Mr. Wonderful? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Lest we just smugly dismiss all of these uh, entrants, I think the CBC has definitely stepped up their game. And uh, I remember in the early days uh, when I was putting out radio shows and, and, and trying to lobby for podcast versions of those radio shows and being told the CBC is not interested in podcasts. The CBC is investing in streaming video and we're just going to throw up our audio on streaming video after some pre-roll so we can monetize it. I remember speaking to an executive named Chris Boyce who said, yeah, we're not doing podcasts. It's, uh, that's a go nowhere thing. That's yesterday's news. But now CBC has a podcast department and they are doing shows that are making it really big. Uh, Somebody Knows Something, a season of Uncover on uh, Nixium. That show did huge numbers in the States. The production quality is going way up. What kind of person would do this? To try to answer this, I'm going to cover a lot of ground. What may feel like a wild ride. But stick with me. It's worth it. Ben, what is your assessment as a podcast critic of what CBC Podcasts is putting out? I honestly cannot fault the CBC for their productions. They are some of the the most popular, especially uh, the the most recent season of Missing and Murdered, um, and and Someone Knows Something. These were really big on the U.S. charts, but I do find that there's something about the the spirit of the audio production that is coming out of there. It is this much more audio first production quality that is really engaging as a listener. I mean, uh, Suk Yin Lee's Sleepover, I'd be hard pressed to talk about a show that I loved more. Oseko paces on the deck, cell phone gripped in his hand. This is really the wilderness, like, you don't even get a no Wi-Fi here. Love me. That program. After my parents got divorced, I'd visit Dad on the weekends. Late at night, it would often just be me and him awake in his big silent house. Also, a show like Personal Best. I, f- I find that the the shows coming out of the CBC have a little bit of a scruffiness to them that makes them so much more endearing. He goes, I just got back from Chicago. I was there for the weekend watching baseball. No big deal. And Julia says, uh, let's see here. She goes, dang, Chicago. I hear they have world-class basketball. And reading here, he said baseball. (laughs) And she starts talking about basketball. Not to say that they're not polished, that the production quality isn't great. But there's just something that they're approaching the, uh, the medium from a different angle than almost everybody else. I have to break out the smelling salts because Jesse just said something nice about podcasting at the CBC. Uh, you know what? Uh, opinions vary on these specific titles. I think that there's uh, you know, going to be albums I like that you don't like and albums that I like that you don't like. But I think that I can agree that CBC is leveraging the audio talent uh, in, in their in-house and the, the external producers. They're showing a lot of experimentation. They're doing a lot of shows of, of a different nature. At the same time, they're succeeding in putting out kind of like mass entertainment hits of the, in the true crime genre. I think there's a lot positive you could say about 
the CBC podcasting department and the moves they've made in recent years. I do have some things to say about CBC podcasting in general, though. Well, the cynical Jesse Brown would go on about the <laughs> fact that they also see podcasting as a way to commercialize what they're doing in radio because they can't sell advertising on their talk radio shows, but they're competing with Canada Land when it comes to the podcasts. You have gone on about this multiple times in the history of doing this. Well, then why don't I put that point aside right now and talk about some other things which I no, was actually... No, let's not put any of these grudges aside. <laughs> I can return to that grudge. No, I, I I think that some of the problems with CBC is that they're, they're doing both things at once. CBC is... A, a kind of labyrinthine bureaucracy. And so CBC podcasts should not be confused with CBC podcasts. There's a CBC podcast department with a capital P. And then every local radio show, every national radio show, a bunch of TV shows all have their own podcasts, right? So their, their total offering, the amount of inventory they pump out is vast. And then they've got these sort of signature shows that come out of the podcasting department. Then you've got a show like Finding Cleo. I think us natives, they just don't, you know, they just don't care about us, but I care about so I don't care about finding my sister, you know. Finding Cleo is not a production of the CBC Podcast Department. It's a production of CBC News. It's an excellent show. It went mega viral. Connie is currently... Uh, a little bird told me, getting jerked around and this show that I think had 17 million downloads, she's having trouble getting a commitment to a fourth season. So there's still a bunch of like internal CBC. I don't know why listeners would care about this except to know. Oh, come on. This is the stuff I come here for. Keep going. <laughs> Bring it on. One of their biggest hits is it, because it can't be claimed by the CBC podcasting department is uh, having a tougher time than the other shows. Uh, another problem that I would point out is that after this one season of uncovering Nixium, they have emerged from that with the CBC Uncover brand as one of their leading podcasting brands, and they could do investigation after investigation, and they could keep their subscribers from one season to the next. So what do they do right after having a great season by Josh Block of a completely original story? They do this bomb on board story, which basically one of their signature TV anchors is given a script to come and read some podcast narration and a very flat season follow-up. You know, uh, one of their younger producers creates an incredible brand and then they hand it over to buttress the celebrity status of Ian Hannah Mansing and I don't hear anyone talking about that show. Okay, well they started one last fall, Front Burner. Now, this is uh, the Canadian version of the New York Times daily podcast. Yeah. But back in 2002, Canada and the U.S. were declared measles-free, and the rest of the Americas followed in 2016. So what happened? Uh, and we've got Rogers. We're ahead of the curve there in Canada with their Big Story podcast. So here's CBC coming up with something that downloads at 6 o'clock every morning, right? And I wondered ahead of time, how are they going to differentiate a daily news podcast from the CBC with all of the current affairs programming that's already being produced out of that place. Why like, do they have they to differentiate it? a different angle, a it's different, for a different audience. Because then what's the point? What's the effort? Yeah, but I didn't know that ahead of time, what? that it would be for a different audience. So <laughs> they should have told so Mark that. I am here to praise yeah. the fact that they've done something different with CBC Front Burner. I am pretty sure that the other divisions of the CBC, here we get into the old school Canada land thing of wondering what goes on down there there in Fort Dork, I would guess that a lot of the other divisions of the CBC, people working on the CBC National 
would be jealous of any attention that they get for front burner, right? Isn't that the way that place works? I like, mean, that's pretty speculative. They and front put burner. in all this effort, all this energy to have this four anchor newscast, and then this scrappy team that does a podcast every morning ends up doing a better job. All they're right. the ones that get mentioned Calm in down. the American media. Calm down. Anyhow, I think that they're doing a wonderful thing with their podcasting department. There's two big problems. One is ads. This is the end. If the future of radio is digital and the future of digital radio is podcasting, then that's it for ad-free CBC because they have made a firm commitment to putting ads. Even when you listen to the current or you know flagship CBC shows as podcasts, we have introduced advertising to CBC audio content. That bugs me as a competitor uh, who, who, you know, the amount of inventory they put out, uh, they, can, they can drive down the cost of, of uh, podcast ads overnight. But from a listener's point of view, if you like your CBC audio without ads, uh, say something uh, anyhow, no activist campaign. Here's the real big problem with CBC Podcasts, and this is an inside baseball thing for the industry. But the person who's running CBC Podcasts is named Arif Nurani. Oh, I know who he is. Arif Nurani is obviously a really talented radio person. He used to be the producer of Q uh, in the Gian Gameshi days. And I don't really know Arif, uh, but the problem is, and this is something that's come to me straight from the mouths of CBC producers, is that some people don't want to work with him. Because uh, he protected Jean Gameshi during a period where the staff, uh, aside from the you know sexual assault complaints, the Globe and Mail reported extensively on how abused that staff was, how horrible that show was, and how Arif protected Jean and and kept things that way. And the message to anybody on that team when they complained was, that's just how Jean is. You can either deal with it or you can leave. Now, some of the same people who worked on that team, if they want to pitch a podcast to the CBC, if they want to make a podcast for the CBC, if any audio producer in Canada wants to make a podcast for the CBC, they have to work with Arif Nurani. And if you have a problem with that, it's your problem. You can go take your your, your your show elsewhere. Now, one of the things that the BBC does with their podcasts is that they monetize only outside of the United Kingdom. So when a listener is accessing or downloading a BBC podcast say, in uh, the United States or in Canada, they will get a message that first says this podcast is supported by ads outside of England. And so the ad content is dynamically inserted for those territorial listeners where, you know, I think you do make a strong play then that CBC podcasts, as long as you are territorially listening to them within Canada's borders, should uh, be free from advertising content. Yeah, I think that's just how a public broadcaster should do it, and BBC has the template. If you live in the UK, you've already paid for this, and if you don't, then we're going to monetize you. Again, it's not dissimilar from the Canada Land model. We should run through, if we're trying to give our listeners a lay of the land, those are the main players. It doesn't mean that there aren't others. And very quickly, there is a branded content company in in Canada called Pacific Content, and uh, funny enough, it, it was started by a couple of former CBC people, uh, Steve Pratt and Chris Boyce, who uh, left the CBC. CBC amid the Gian Gameshi scandal, he started a branded podcast company that makes really high quality podcasts for companies. It's one of the great ironies in life that I now find myself in a podcast industry where two of the other players uh, are, are, are led by people who are involved in the Gian Gameshi okay, scandal. Well, then what happened when you tried to get into that game? You the had e- Earshot Podcasts, right? That was the name? Yeah. I got that right? Yeah. I remembered? Are you impressed that I retained that bit of information that Not you started slightly. up? 
another brand. It's only what I would expect. Oh no, we're still doing that. We're we're we're, we're still in the in the branded podcast business, uh, though this is our focus. When we have an opportunity to make a good one, we we make one. So how do you win this thing? Because I know a little bit about Pacific <laughs> content, right? And and part of their pitch is that they're saying that you you sponsor a podcast, you make it presented by whatever company is is bankrolling this podcast, but you don't. You don't make it too obvious. Yes. Don't don't be so overt about who's paying for this product. Well, no, and you, will, you, you should will, be you very obvious about who's interested. paying for it. But the podcast should not be about the product. The podcast should be a, a good podcast on its own merits. And you just say it's brought to you by this by this company. And I think a lot of people out there have listened to a branded podcast of one one or the other, and some of them are really good shows. How do you win this? Is the question I'm going to answer. We have yet to feel in any circumstance that the the entrance of competition into the Canadian podcasting space has cost us a dollar. I'm saying that in all honesty. At this point, we have only 4 or 5% of radio listeners converted to podcast listeners. So the more companies making podcasts, the more people are going to come to podcasting. We have brands in Canada that are 5 or 10 years behind American advertisers. So if Rogers and Chorus and big names in media are trying to get companies to look seriously at podcasts as an advertising medium, that's been good for us because our stuff does really, really well. And the entrance of competition into the ecosystem has been wonderful for producers and production talent. The production standards of our shows and everybody else's has been going up, up, up. When I was an audio producer at the CBC, it was the only game in town. You did this job that you loved, making radio documentaries or getting guests for panels such as this, and if you got fired from the CBC or didn't like it there, you couldn't go anywhere. Even commercial radio, it wasn't transferable skills because the radio was so different. Now, the producers here at Canada Land have options from other places, and the, and the producers at CBC have options, and they can come over here. There's finally competition for audio talent and ideas uh, for new podcasts. And that's generally good. It means we have to pay people more, but it means the product is better and, and the workers are happier. Yes. Yeah, so, so how do we get all the bad ideas out of the way? Uh, when we're talking about these companies that, you know, they, they debut a whole bunch of podcasts, throwing it against the wall to see what sticks, um, then you see a dilution of quality. That's the problem that I that I ultimately want to. And, and, and you know, just to be fair to all the other players out there that we haven't mentioned, when we're talking about professional podcasting in Canada, we have Ryan McMahon's Indian and Cowboy Network. We have, you know, Christie's uh, Canadian True Crime Podcast, which is sort of like a cottage industry homemade podcast that's gone commercial doing well. Media Indigena, they're making uh, money every month on Patreon. That's a going concern. Dan Del Mar tried this podcasting thing with John Kay called Wrong Speak. That didn't work out. Post Media has a show. There's a lot of places that are paying people to make podcasts. And my fear is, and where I want us to conclude this conversation is, is this all just a speculative bubble that the internet tends to create. Because you are sitting, Mark, in a profitable money-making enterprise. Am I? You really? are. I can't believe it. It is not and good. You let me come on the show. I even let you come in here. We're, but we're doing this on a micro level where we're making a little bit more money than we're spending. These other players, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones that probably won't be here in a year and all and in between, there's not one of them that I can look at what they're doing and say, it's obvious that they're making a lot of cash off of this, which I don't think is a good thing for us or anyone. Well, get Spotify to buy your company and, now and then you'll make bank. That, and now Spotify comes in and buys Gimlet for two. $230 million, and now there is a lot of speculative lust for podcasting that, that is taking us away from that meat and potatoes business of getting listeners and selling ads. Ben, this is a problem that I think 
the entire podcasting industry is facing now. Are we going to get kind of chewed up, inflated with Silicon Valley dollars and exploded? So this wonderful DIY homemade thing that is really a direct relationship between listeners and podcasters gets ruined. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that I wring my hands over on the daily because I just don't know yet what the listener is really feeling about podcasts because, you know, on, on the one hand, you have uh, this niche DIY or labor of love kind of content that is being created. And on the other, you have networks that are, you know, sort of like what you're seeing with Chorus. We have um, uh, Podcast One in the States here, a network that is almost exclusively celebrity driven. And um, and it seems entirely vapid and soulless to me. I do think that quality will out. The main problem that we encounter is visibility or is discoverability, you know, and there are still very few outlets that are reliably publishing podcast writing recommendations. I, I do feel very lucky to have found a place at the AV Club, which has for about nine years now been publishing weekly recommendations. Well, you know, it's the same philosophy I apply to my work as a media critic. Like, I think you need criticism in any form. There has to be somebody doing that for the thing to actually have some independent uh, sounding board. And I think that helps the quality of it overall. So it is incredible, given how many podcasts are out there, that it, basically there's you and there's Nick Qua and then uh, Caitlin Thompson for The Globe and Mail. Uh, now and then, but there's very little critical writing about podcasts. 1236, the newsletter. I cover podcasts. And there's Where have Mark. you been? Uh, since Ben mentioned Podcast One, I, I wonder what you think about these other companies that are getting big investments. Um, they have names like How Stuff Works, the company behind Stuff You Should Know. Another one called Wondery. Uh, then we have uh, companies like Nerdist. Uh, that's That's been around for a while. Uh, the game that these companies seem to be playing, or at least figure out that, that they can leverage, is if you get a listener to one podcast, then they'll listen to another one that you're putting out. And if you're somebody who's new to podcasting, this is how the discovery will happen, right? To an earlier point that Jesse had raised, a place like Wondery is, to my ears at least, a bit of an IP farm. The programs that they are putting on are things that they're hoping to utilize to leverage into additional arenas. I mean, and we've seen it with their show Dirty John, which was then made into the miniseries for Bravo here in the States. Yeah, on Netflix here in Canada. Yeah, you know, it's something that they're constantly doing, putting out essentially what amounts to like the uh, Lifetime movie with these sort of lurid true crime tales. You know, Dr. Death was another show of theirs that really hit the charts hard. There's talk, I'm sure, of that going into the television space as well. And that's something that we've seen as well with Gimlet, that after the success of Homecoming, a couple of their shows that have come out garnered similar attention. And some of them, to my ears, had sounded a little bit flat and I thought, oh, maybe this was rushed so that they could get it out there. I think that's the threat, the wider threat right there, is that if you stop caring about making a great podcast so you can get listeners that will, you know, listen to ads and you can fund the whole thing, if the if the goal from the start is selling the options to make a TV show, you've kind of killed the golden goose. But I'll say this, and, and I'll say this in conclusion, because we are trying to compare the Canadian industry to the American we should be so lucky 
to have problems like that here. The 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 problems that you're you're pointing out, Ben, are problems of an over commercialization because there's too much money and there's too much success in a way. But people are still listening to those shows like crazy. The big distinguishing feature from from the American scene, which has become from a scene to an industry, and the Canadian, is that the people who built the American podcast business are content makers. Even even a commercial project like Gimlet came from uh, Alex Bloomberg, who came from This American Life, came from a public radio background. Uh, if you go, you'll know, be at Jesse Thorne, if you look at 99% Invisible, who's making these shows? These people, even if you're talking about the comedy podcast boom in the States, these are content makers who built this business. If you look at all the companies we talked about today, these are Canadian media executives and producers who are kind of looking at where's where's the buzz moved uh, so that I can convince somebody, be it um, a brand or a big uh, media company, to, to kick a few bucks into this because this is where the hype is at. That's the most... Yeah, you burn it all down, except for Canada land. That's sort of the most uh, jaded look at it that I could have, which would suggest that they won't be here in a few years. You know what? Pacific Content, the branded podcast house, I stand corrected, is a money-making podcast enterprise, probably making a lot more money than we are. I, I think that we would be we would do well to have the problems that come with too much profitability in Canada, because then we'll still actually have an industry in a few years. Ranting about podcasts on a podcast, it's the role that we were born to play. Hey, that's your Canada Land Show for this week. You can email me about it at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I really do read them all. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Our website is canadalandshow.com. One thing you can do there is sign up for our weekly newsletter. Our producer, David Crosby, puts together everything that we publish each week in case you missed anything and gives it to you in newsletter form and also uh, adds some witticisms and links of his own. And it's well worth a subscribe. If you have not been listening to Oppo, our show about what is happening in politics in Canada, uh, there's really no reason to, nothing really interesting happening in Canadian politics. I am being sarcastic. It is bonkers out there. You will want to hear what Jen Gerson and Justin Ling have to say about everything that is happening in Ottawa. So listen to Oppo this week. This episode of Canada Land is produced by Kasia Mihailovich. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like Canada Land or our other podcasts or our news service, if you like what we do, you can help us out at patreon.com slash Canada Land. And if you do so with five bucks a month or more, you will get ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Please do. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada Land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.